Belcherot, Isadobea. Welcome to the Village Oak Tree for November 29th, 2023. I'm Terence O'Donnell, your favorite's Calais. Come sit with me under the Village Oak Tree with a cup of something hot as I regale you with bits of news from around the world and a spotlight on something I hope you get to your attention. The show is free to subscribe to on all the major podcast apps, including Substack and YouTube, with a donation tab on the Village Oak Tree webpage at rss.com and my website at crownabeha.com for anyone who feels generous enough to support my work. Think of it as passing the hat at the end of my visit. So if you like what I have to say here, please share this podcast with everyone you know as much as possible before it gets too late. My motive is not for money. I want to make a difference in the world, and I can't do it without your help. So for each article I present to you, there will be links to read the stories in their entirety and to follow up newsletters posted in Medium, Substack, and in the blog section of my website, which is free to everyone to read. So when I go on my break, I've created a short advertisement from my website. It's the only commercial here in the whole show, so don't worry about anything else. So coming up in the second half, more on the war in Gaza, now that there's a ceasefire. There's a whole lot more going on away from the spotlight of the moonscape, as one journalist put it, of Gaza. So stay tuned. My first story this week is from Eastern Europe. I got about three, two or three different stories here, but they all point to the same direction. My first one is Finland to close all but the northernmost border crossing with Russia by Essi Leto. Now, this story came out at Reuters.com a few days ago, but since that story has broke, as of today, Finland has closed all of its borders. And it's a reason for it is because there's more and more undocumented migrants coming from Africa and the Middle East trying to get into any European country they can get into now. Finland is accusing Russia of letting them through with no checks. With more and more right-wing politicians being elected across the EU now, it's only a matter of time before the EU members disregard the Schengen region and close up their borders against the hordes of migrants seeking new homes anywhere in the EU. As of today, as I said, all the borders are closed. And things are getting a little warm over there. And I'm not talking about a warm winter either. And my next story is in right in line with that. Estonia accuses Russia of weaponizing immigration at Europe's borders. Arrival of hundreds of people that finished in Estonian borders claimed to be fully state-orchestrated operation. And this came out of TheGuardian.com by Miranda Bryan in Stockholm. So, again, more on the crisis here. Finland's closed, well, Finland's closed all their borders now, and Estonia probably has too at this point. They're all both accusing Russia of deliberately diverting migrants to them. And the EU, the EU is starting to send extra people to help them secure the borders, but what are they going to do about the Russians? So I'll kind of give you a little bit of background about these, both these stories. Is They're accusing Russia of busing and transporting migrants coming from Middle East and Africa and sending them up against these borders and pushing them across. They're basically trying to flood these border to border places to cause chaos. So now they're closing the borders down. Gert Wilder's victory in the Netherlands election spooks Europe. This one came out of BBC by Katja Adler. But uh, she, there's been a lot more stories about this guy. And, you know, he was all over the place. He was right wing. I mean, he was a... The Dutch version of Marjorie Taylor Greene. But the problem is he can't get a coalition government going for all his right-wing rhetoric. 
So as of today, he's having to back down on a lot of stuff he said to get himself elected just to get a coalition government going over there. Big thing about this, he's not the only government that's coming in right wing right now. I mean, as I mentioned in weeks past, Slovakia, Finland, um, you know, Italy's been there for a while, but more and more governments over there are starting to go to the right and they're going to start closing borders and forget about Schengen. They're going to start tromping down on all kinds of stuff. Basically, what it comes down to is migrants. All these migrants coming from the Middle East and, Europe, and North Africa and Central Africa um, are flooding the EU right now, trying to escape all the bad stuff down that way. And the EU can't handle it. They don't have the facilities to take care of them. They can't afford to take care of them. There's no housing for them, no jobs for them, so on and so forth. So they're going on the dole. And nobody can do anything about it until they just should start shutting borders. It's coming. Now, I've got another story that I picked up today out of the EU. And this is an environmental story. The EU overhauls its law covering environmental crimes, banning specific acts, and increasing penalties. The European Parliament is expected to approve the new directive early next year. It's not clear whether the emission of greenhouse gases at certain levels would constitute crimes by Katie Sermon. And this, I got this one from InsideClimateNews.org. So new laws will be voted in and to take effect here, if, you know, if they vote on it in the early part of next year. But they're going to outlaw something they call ecocide. And it's going to target businesses and individuals this time. So they, want to, they want to be a little more, more focused on fining and, and punishing people rather than corporate entities. You know, I think it's a good idea. I hope they can get it going. And there's another one from Europe. I got this one from Reuters.com. Almost 400,000 deaths in Europe in 2021 attributable to filthy air. This is from an EU report. And if we, we thought we had it bad here in North America. So it looks like the grass may not be so green on the other side. So if you're still thinking of moving to Europe, you might want to bring a face mask. Seems like the air is pretty dirty over there. Now we're going to go to the Middle East. I got a couple of stories here, uh, environmental stories here um, from Saudi Arabia. Revealed Saudi Arabia's grand plan to hook poor countries on oil. Client scientists say fossil fuel needs to fall rapidly, but oil-rich kingdoms are working to drive up the demand. This came out of TheGuardian.com by Damian Carrington. In a report over some documents found, it seems that the Saudis are getting a little desperate to maintain their luxurious lifestyles. So much so that they're seriously promoting their oil to developing nations as the rest of the world is trying to scale back due to global warming. Sell, sell, sell is the new mantra in order to maintain their current standard of living. Toxic gas putting millions at risk in Middle East, BBC finds. Again, this came out of BBC.com by Owen Pinnell and Sarah Ibrahim. This is it. The petrostates are so fixated by profits they're killing up millions of people in the Middle East, and they want to play hot potato with regulators on the ownerships of these oil fields. The rich don't care because they don't have to live and work there. Apparently humans are just another disposable commodity to be thrown away for new ones when they get hurt and die. And there's a lot of truth to that. There's the stories talking about all the people that are coming up sick from all the oil, oil fields and everything flaring. And they're supposed to be not doing that anymore, but they're ignoring everybody. Now we're going to come back over here to North America. Some migrants are swapping their American dream for a Mexican one by Laura Gottesdainer and Dana Beth Solomon. This come out of Reuters.com. 
So it's good news for the migrants fleeing to the worst places in Central America. There are millions of jobs available in Mexico with a whole lot less hassle. The language barrier is a lot less of an issue, and Mexico is all about granting asylum a whole lot easier than the United States. Sounds like a win-win for Mexico and the American factories down there. Now to get the word out to the rest of those in need. And the big thing, the reason I say that is because those folks down there in Central America and South America that are trying to come north, they still think the United States is the golden land. And I'm, I'm hoping that somebody will change their mind because the United States is not dim sum anymore. No more golden mountain here in the United States. Mexico sounds like a better deal, though. This one from Canada. Former soldiers say they fear Iraqi trainees committed war crimes with Allies' weapons. Speaking publicly for the first time, military whistleblower says Canadian commanders were warned by Mary Brewster in CBC News. Canada's worried about being called to account for war crimes in Iraq. All rooted in the American military training programs over there. They mention the Americans in this article, so one has to wonder, if the Canadians get dragged into the world court, will they bring the Americans with them to share the blame? Will the Americans deny anything? Oh, you know they will. And you know, well, a little bit about this story is that the Canadian Army went over there to train Iraqi soldiers, and they found that the Iraqi soldiers were over there committing war crimes. And the NCOs reported it, but apparently their commanders decided to ignore it. I want you want to bet that the Americans had some influence on that, since they were doing the training on an American base. This one here is about the Israel, the war going on over there in Israel and Palestine, but it's not in Gaza. This story actually came out of BBC.com. It's about the Irish. Israel-Lebanon border. The Irish troops watching Israel's hidden conflict by Nafisa Cunavard. For 40 years, the Irish have been supplying troops to the UN and Lebanon. 48 of them have been killed and many wounded. Now the war is getting worse, and everyone's getting worried that things will spill over, especially the Irish families of those deployed. And yeah, this is becoming a real issue because missiles are dropping in on these places, and the Irish have border patrols and stations on the, on the border there between Lebanon and Israel, and they're they're worried. And this is another story, and this one's right from this one is from Ireland. So, as we probably all heard in the news. Dublin, Ireland had big, you know, big for them, uh, riots downtown because apparently an Algerian naturalized citizen decided to stick a knife in a couple of children and cut up a couple of teachers. They don't really know why yet. I'm sure that that story will be coming out for too long. But the big thing about it is that a bunch of right-wing Irish decided to trash the center of town because they were mad about this happening. What they're mad about is not so much that this particular individual did what he did, although it's bad enough. They're mad because the TASIC let all these migrants from all these countries come in to Ireland, make up now 20% of the citizens in Ireland from everywhere. And a lot of them are very nice people. But like anything else, when you let a whole bunch of people in all at once, a few of the bad apples come in with him. And apparently that's what happened with this Algerian man. He's either a little nuts or he decided to get, uh, I don't know, what do, you, what do you call it, indoctrinated or whatever with what's going on down in Gaza. But he decided to take out his anger 
And now, of course, everybody's all upset. And across the country, they're actually having a lot of discussions about why why are we letting all these people in here if they're going to start hurting us? It's going to get interesting here right over in the short in our short notice. So this one here goes back over to Eastern Europe. Russia vows retaliation over Moldova decision to join EU sanctions. Come out of Reuters. And I got this a few days ago. Moldova. For anyone who doesn't know where this country is, they're a little country nestled next to Ukraine and Romania. They want EU protection from the Russian bear, and no one can blame them for that. With Ukraine currently in the crosshairs, they know that if Russia defeats them, they're next. Let's hope Europe can hold off the bear. They will need all the help they can get, and the EU can no longer depend on the U.S. and the U.K. Help is there for now, but for how much longer? And again, it goes back to the United States. Mostly, is whatever the United States does, the U.K. is going to do. So if the GOP takes over the federal government here in a year, and they cut off all funding to all these wars, like Ukraine, for example, they're going to be in bad shape over there without U.S. help. And Europeans are helping, but they can't do it without the Americans. And, you know, and whatever, whatever the Americans do, the British will do. This one is another Canadian article here. Largest First Nation in B.C., British Columbia, votes to take over authority over child and family services for its members. Kawachan tribes call decision a defining moment for children in self-determination. And this came out of the Canadian press. So it's good news for the First Nations people in Canada, especially the ones in British Columbia. More abilities to become self-governing in more than name only. With four other First Nations tribes doing the same as this, it's only a matter of time before this takes off across the rest of Canada. Wait and see. I hope the U.S. First Nations peoples are taking notice and maybe get some ideas that are on their own towards this. Although I suspect the American government will not be near as accommodating as the Canadians. So now we're going to come into some kind of not so great stuff here in the United States. A couple of articles here. Um, I have got a couple of good ones after this. So Idaho asked U.S. Supreme Court to allow near total abortion ban by John Cruzel. This come out of Reuters.com. The United States is starting to unravel at state levels. States are going to the U.S. Supreme Court to assert state sovereign rights and to be able to do as they please. In this case, medical health rights. Texas is doing the same. If Texas, if, if states win these types of lawsuits against the federal government, they're only a quick step away from some kind of secession where they can do as they please with no federal oversight, yet still be part of the U.S. in name only. In name only enough to get federal benefits anyway. So what if the feds were to shut off the money spigot to these states? How would they fare then? Because these states, Texas not as poor, but Idaho is a very poor state. And if the federal if the federal benefits got shut off, they would be hurting people. Something they need to think about before they start going down this red state road here and um, become their own thing. Next one, coming from Tennessee, another red state. Archaic, the Tennessee town that made homosexuality illegal. Republican lawmakers in the U.S. are leaning into outdated definitions of obscenity to outlaw drag and ban books, too. This came out of the Guardian.com U.S. News by Ava Sassani. Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where the Republicans have made it illegal for any type of indecent exposure, public indecency, lewd behavior, nudity, or sexual conduct. 
The LGBTQ plus community knows that this was all meant for them, stemming from an old law. They want to ban any mention of homosexuality from the printed materials in any public places, drag events, LGBTQ people holding hands in public, and so on. So when I say public places, we're talking about the public libraries. You know, these entities are fighting back, but in Tennessee, it's going to be a real uphill battle. So now a couple of good news stories to close this out here. Millions of U.S. apples were left almost to rot. Now they'll go to hungry families. And I got this one out of NPR by Alan Jinnick on his NPR segment, All Things Considered, on the radio. With a bumper crop of apples this year and processors overwhelmed with excess turning farmers away, the federal agriculture stepped in and paid millions of apples to make it to food pantries all over the country. This is in West Virginia. This is only oh, a small amount of the apples that went unsold. A large majority of them never made it out of the orchards. With so much food waste happening, you would think the government could step in a little more to help with all the hungry people across the country with more than just apples. So our story talks about how the senator, uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia, got a hold of the agriculture department. They stepped in, spent, I think, $10 million and bought up all these apples that were going to go to waste and distributed them to food pantries all over the country. Uh, you know, sent them out by the truckloads, which is good for the growers. Not all of them, because not all of them got to partake. But, you know, for the ones that were able to get on the program. And good news for all the food pantries that were, uh, you know, recipients. So now if we could just make this happen everywhere, you know, and not with just apples. And my last story comes from Finland. Cross-country skiers' private parts freeze in Sub-Zero Finland event coming out of Reuters. So it's a somewhat humorous story. This is what happens to athletes when they have to sacrifice comfort for mobility. It got down to minus 15C during the event, and it cost him some time as part of his penis froze due to wearing a thin suit. He smiled in a warm-up tent and made jokes about possibly having erectile dysfunction now. He said he was glad that his wife was pregnant with her second child because he may not be able to get any more. I hope he's kidding. I really hope that doesn't happen to him. So that's the end of the first half. It's time for me to take my break. So while I'm on my break, give a listen to my commercial about my website, and I'll be back in a couple of minutes. I want to take this break to bring attention to my website, crownnabeha.com. Just type in www.crana-beatha.com in your browser and search for it. You may also use the link in the newsletters on medium.com, substack.com, or the podcast transcripts on rss.com to find it for the first time. The name is Gaelic, and it may be a little hard to find unless you know what you're looking for. Then bookmark it if you wish to return. I also have the RSS feeder enabled, so if you like my blog post, you can get a notice whenever I post something new. Search for cronnabeha.com in your RSS feeder. Users finding the website for the first time will reach the welcome page to learn a little bit about what's inside. There you will see the homepage link where you can learn a little more about what Cronabeha means for a little bit of Irish culture, and a little more about me in general. On the menu bar at the top, there are links to a blog section where I post podcast newsletters, blog articles, stories, and poems. 
a drop-down menu with links to both podcasts, a donations page, an ad page for my published books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. Everything I write is available in the blog section of my website for free. If you like what you see and are feeling generous, feel free to leave a donation and or a message in the comment page anytime. I'll respond fairly quickly within reason. Enjoy the music, and I'll be back with the second half shortly. Welcome back to the second half of the Village Oak Tree. I'm still going to talk about the war in Gaza because it showcases just how bad the Western world is in defending Israel despite all the atrocities being committed. As I wrote in my editorial this weekend, no one can say that either party is morally right. And what I'm talking about is I wrote an article uh, and I posted it in Medium and Substack um, and it's on my website as well. And it, it talks about who's right in this whole business. The Palestinians... Hamas, in this case, or Israel. Even now, with humanitarian ceasefire happening, West Bank Palestinians are still being shot and forced off their lands by illegal settlers. It's obvious that they're taking advantage of the war to force another Nakba and commit ethnic cleansing of the West Bank. They don't care what anyone thinks. To the settlers, it's a religious war. The land that was given to the Israelites when they first arrived with Abraham, and it's their land, according to their religious texts. And they're all about taking on and, and doing violence to keep it, or take the rest of it. Then we have the censorship of Western media. 
There was a news story out this weekend about BBC journalists complaining about bias in their stories from Gaza. I have another article by Chris Hedges that talks about that, which includes his interview with a Palestinian Jewish-Palestinian activist here in the U.S. The U.S. and European governments are so afraid of even the hint of a possible terrorist attack at home, they're shutting down any media stories in support of Palestine. The West is very afraid of another 9-11-style attack or something similar to what happened in France. Any stories that are submitted are being left unpublished by the editors for fear of retribution or government sanctions. In the United States, that's a very real deal. Journalists are being told not to submit any stories that show the Palestinians in any favorable light. The Western world equates, equates all Palestinians with Hamas. Therefore, they're all terrorists. The Chris Hedges' report show with Dylan Saba, an attorney with Palestine Legal, on the censorship of those who would defend Palestinian rights and condemn Israel's genocide in Gaza, from chrishedges.substack.com. Then we have the outright bigotry that leads to violence that has seen a major uptick in Western countries since October 7th. I have another example that came out last Saturday evening of innocent college students wearing their national clothing, shot by an unknown assailant in a car, has now been caught, but a motive hasn't been confessed yet. The assailant has pled not guilty at this point. Story cites the increase in violent attacks and the hate rhetoric leveled at normal Palestinian people trying to live their lives in the U.S., Australia, and Europe. The story is three Palestinian students shot in Vermont. Families demand hate crime probe by Gabriella Border in Reuters.com. As I said, there's, there's a lot of that going on. Israel right now is pushing hard on the deal that if you're a Palestinian, you must be part of Hamas and you, you have to be a terrorist. And that's one of the reasons why they're carpet bombing the place. They don't care. But the worst part is journalists are being censored. I mean, you know, look how many of them got killed, but they're being censored. And that's supposed to be against the law in a lot of countries. So here's another article from last weekend that shows the two-faced American president. On one hand, he is pushing for a ceasefire and a hostage release. On the other hand, he's doing all he can to ensure Israel has all it needs to continue its genocidal attacks. What about Hamas? Why doesn't he give some of these weapons to them so they can fight a fair fight against their oppressors? Making the playing field more level. And they wonder why no one likes the United States anymore. Biden has become the Middle East's most hated man now, according to an NPR report from a Palestine refugee camp in Jordan. If Biden really wanted to have a ceasefire, he wouldn't be making American weapons available from its own stockpiles easier to buy, at a discount no less. Maybe it's a Black Friday deal. And the story is entitled, Biden Seeks to Expand Israeli Access to U.S. Weapons Stockpile. If White House requests granted, it would enable Israel to access U.S. weapons with less congressional oversight. And I got this one out of Al Jazeera. It seems that while the world is looking at Gaza, the Israelis are carrying on with their ethnic cleansing in the West Bank, as if nothing else is going on anywhere else. IDF soldiers and settlers are killing Palestinians even more now with impunity and taking their lands and their income, basically stealing what's ever on their farms, stealing their animals. They want all the Palestinians gone, and now. And they think they have a wink and a nod to make it happen. So how is all this not war crimes? I always thought that mass killings and ethnic cleansing were considered war crimes by the World Court at the Hague. It was, it was when the Serbians did it. It condemned the Russians for all their crimes against, against humanity in Ukraine last year. So where's the outrage now? You know, enough to make it matter anyway. Apparently, when someone that the U.S. stands behind does it, 
They all look the other way. Everyone in the Western world is afraid of the U.S. They need to get over it and do the right thing by the Palestinians. Israeli forces carry out deadly raids in the West Bank amid Gaza truce. Five Palestinians were shot in Jenin, while three others were killed elsewhere in the occupied West Bank on Sunday. And this come out of Al Jazeera. Israeli settlers steal Palestinian farmers' land in occupied West Bank. Emboldened by curfews and raids on Palestinians, illegal settlers have stepped up violence and property theft. From Al Jazeera by Sins Ferns Bergstrand. And to add fuel to the fire, Ireland and other EU countries who dare to use unapproved language by the Israelis in public are being accused of supporting terrorism. The Irish PM, the Spanish and Belgian ambassadors, were also called onto the carpet for their words that didn't meet Israeli approval. Since when does anyone need the approval of the Israelis to beat their minds? Does Israel think that just because Biden has their back, they can dictate what people say? That's going a little bit too far, don't you think? Just who does Israel think they are? Maybe a few more countries should close their Israeli embassies and send their ambassadors home. Israeli foreign minister accuses Irish Tausik of legitimizing terror over hostage statement. Eli Cohen criticized Leo Varadkar's description of nine-year-old Emily Han as being lost, not kidnapped. You know, semantics, come on. And this is by Roy Carroll in Ireland and Lisa O'Carroll in Brussels. Trudeau offended Israel with call for maximum restraint, says Israeli, Israeli President. Isaac Herzog says his country cares about civilians in Gaza, but is fighting an empire of evil, by Peter Zamanjik in CBC News. A lot of these stories I got, in, and they're coming from different places, but all coming out about the same thing. Israel's trying to try, trying to control the narrative of what they're doing over there. The United States is backing them up, although the United States is trying to take credit for the hostage exchange and a release of the hostage, you know, that's going on over there. But to be honest with you, all they did was kind of sit back and say, hey, would you please do this? While other countries like Qatar really got involved. I mean, like I said last week, Qatar should get all the credit for this, not the United States. So then there was a story that talks about all the horrific images that people can't unsee. The West is worried that if they don't root out Hamas and kill them all, they'll just come back and do it again someday. Rightly so. With everything that has happened, the younger generations of Arabs will probably take up arms in the near future. Their anger is going to be huge once all the dust clears. Hamas and Hezbollah won't have too many problems recruiting, unlike the U.S. This story here, the war in Gaza has seen an intense lesson in Western hypocrisy. It won't be forgotten by Nazreen Malik in TheGuardian.com. There's too much going on in the background behind closed doors right now between Israel and the U.S. As I wrote in my editorial, What Constitutes a War Crime Now?, there's probably a really big financial and political reason why Biden is still supporting Israel so much over the protests and popular opinions of U.S. citizens. We won't know until they drop the curtain, and by then it'll be too late to do anything about it. Is it a big oil deal, as I alluded to my other article from late October? There's gold in Indar Hills? Is it something from past dealings between the U.S. and Israel? Of course, if anyone were to try and dig something up, they would probably be arrested now and charged with anti-Semitism and espionage. I hate secrets, especially ones that will likely come back to haunt you. And this smells like it falls into that category. I wish I had the power to just put the Israelis back in their Jewish bottle like a gin and shut the Americans off from interfering in other people's business. 
It truly does seem like that the only reason Israel is being so brave on bullying is because they know that their big brother, the U.S., is right behind them to kick some ass if Israel gets pushed back. And what about the other Arab nations? Are they afraid of big brother also? Some are, but some not so much, because they have other pressing engagements to occupy their attention. The Saudis don't want to lose their American customer, one of their biggest oil clients. That and the American arms dealers. They don't want the Americans to shut off their war supplies, much like a few other countries. They depend on certain things from the U.S., and they can't afford to have the Yanks close up shop and go somewhere else to sell their goods. They also need to have them continue to buy their oil, too. Iran is all about shaking that American tree from a distance. Everyone is afraid of the big, bad American wolf, and rightfully so. The U.S. has had a bad habit of invading other countries these days to defend their national security. With soldiers on the ground and forward operating bases already set up, they know all too well how quickly the Americans can mobilize and inflict severe damage, much like what is happening in Gaza right now. How do you think the Israelis learn how to do what they're doing? The United States is no one's friend unless it's a business deal. For a big pile of money, Americans will be your best friend until they aren't. When they are your friends, there are always conditions and not in your favor. They're not afraid to bully you once you let them in the door. If you don't want to be friends with the Americans, they've been known to treat developing nations with a little disdain and try to keep them from getting ahead too much on their own. Now that China has stepped in, a lot of developing nations have turned to them for help when the Americans said no, much to the chagrin of the Americans. They're finally starting to see the tables turn against them a little bit of late. With American credibility online, this may be one of the factors driving this hard support for Israel. They need each other when the Arab nations are turning the other way. What does that mean for the future of both Israel and the United States? Will they both lose face across the world for what they've done in Palestine? It's doubtful that either of them will ever be charged for war crimes. What about Hamas? Will Israel, with the backing of the U.S., try to level charges against Hamas after the fighting is finally over? I hope that they do, and the world court refuses to listen to them. It would serve them right. It's time for the world to move on from being bullied by the U.S., Time for everyone to turn away from them and dictate their turns to the power-hungry, greedy Americans. Then maybe the U.S. military-industrial machine will slow down some and let the world breathe a little. The U.S. needs to slow their roll a little bit and take care of business and all more. Take a lot of that money spent on national security interests overseas, spend it on infrastructure, and phasing out of fossil fuels at home. I'm sure the average American would better appreciate that than watching the U.S. fund ethnic cleansing and genocide around the world as it suits their interests. So that's all I have today. Thank you for listening. Now, above giving everyone something to think about as you finish out your work week. Stay safe. Stay informed to best protect your families and yourself because the government certainly do not have your best interests in mind. Thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it that you'll return again for another episode of The Village Oak Tree. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more you share, the more we can convince enough people to make the world a better place to live in. I hope I've achieved my goal and help when you feel like we've been sitting under The Village Oak Tree today. As a Shauna K, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you something that might bring you a smile or make you think a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May you live as long as you want, and never want as long as you live. Schlange foil, which means goodbye for now in Irish. Mm-hmm.